We're going to keep us there all day. Are you ready to come clean now? About what? About you and Grady. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you can always tell how a man feels about a woman if you watch him closely, especially when he thinks no one's looking. What's your point? Well, there's history between you. His interest in you isn't purely editorial. Honey, Grady doesn't look at anyone the way he looks at you. I tried to keep a lid on it. Too late for that now. Oh, come on. You two bicker like you've rattled a headboard. We'll drag it out of you if necessary. Okay. We were married once. Divorced? I'm still waiting on my final decree. (laughs) I don't understand how you can be a man's wife and then see him every day like it never happened. Because I wish it hadn't. Don't you think it might help to get our advice for a change? When did you all get hitched? Six years ago. We were both on the Chronicle in San Francisco. Why'd you split? He betrayed me. (laughs) One of them big blondes, I bet. Was that it? He stepped out with another woman? No, that wasn't it. Uh, We broke up over a story. How could he betray you over a story? Now, will you let her tell it? I was investigating a narcotics ring that operated out of Fisherman's Wharf. I followed the smugglers for months, and then when the case broke wide open and I could have caught them with a big shipment of powder, Grady tricked me. He put another reporter on it, some smug bastard. Did Grady say why? He said it was too dangerous. The gangsters were strapped with cannons, and he didn't want me to get hurt. What's wrong with that? A husband should protect his wife. Only a rat would send his wife in harm's way for a story. Why are you taking his side? I followed that gang for six months. I got witnesses to talk who never opened their mouths. I did all the legwork, and then he took it away. And gave it to a second-rate hack. And why? Because they wear the same hat size? Because they piss standing up? Grady betrayed me in the worst way. He made my work conditional. And why? So his dinner would be on time? I moved out the next day, and I filed for divorce. So why did you agree to work for him again? After I left the apartment, Jim quit the Chronicle. He moved down here and took the editor job. The new editor that replaced him on the Chronicle wasn't too keen on lady reporters. When they brought in layoffs, I was the first one let go. I needed a job. I figured I'd work on the Daily News until something better came along. And maybe it has. Anyway, Grady only gave me the agony aunt column to break me. But I think I've proven that the problems in the mailbag are newsworthy. I still say only a rat would let his wife square off against a gang of armed criminals. Mm, I get it. It was like Grady sent you to bed early. 
like you were a child. Important stories are for the grown-ups. You couldn't trust him anymore. No, I couldn't shake the doubt. Was he afraid of what might happen to me, or was he afraid that I might be a damn good reporter? Too good, I mean. That broke my heart. Leo treated me like his secretary. He phoned from Reading and asked me to go to the library for him. Dutch called me a tramp after I went to bed with him. You can't trust any man. We either they're baby dolls or they're servants. Well, I better take some dinner over to Grady. But, but you just said... I know, I know. But he did take a bullet for me. I guess that earns him a roast beef sandwich. If the bullet didn't kill me, the Salisbury steak will. Looks like an old shoe. And that smells like a garbage pail. Maybe some hot pepper sauce will fix it up. What kind of heathen are you? That's the kind of fire you carry in your pocket? Well, I did grab a bottle of Irish from your desk while they loaded you into the ambulance. Say, now you're talking, Hickey. Pour us some drinks. Dutch looks like he needs one. Sure, I could use a belt. Ah, there now. As Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. Tastes okay. Broken heart and broken taste buds. Tis, tis, tis. You got it bad, Dutch. What stupid thing did you say to louse it up with peaches? I I sort of called her a floozy after we were intimate. (laughs) Jesus, what a sap. A society dame like Peaches gives you a tumble and you call her a floozy? (laughs) Oh, man. You're lucky she didn't have you turned into mulch for her flower beds. Give me a break, will ya? I panicked, started babbling. I didn't know what to say when we were talking about the night before. I mean, she didn't play coy or try to make me feel guilty like girls usually do. I guess I stuck my foot in my mouth. Well, what did she say about your night together? She said she had a lovely time. Why didn't you just say the same thing? I choked. I can smell the flop sweat from here. Take a shower and pull yourself together. Why don't you follow some of your own advice, Hickey? What are you talking about? Tell us what you did to gum up the works with Faye. Yeah, smart guy. When I phoned from Reading, I asked her to go to the library for me. (laughs) For me another. Now that's hilarious. A dame got you a seat on a cross-country plane to cover the big story, and then you asked her to do your homework? Faye got an offer from Vogue last month, and you treated her like a cub reporter. I'm bending the elbow with Cupid's misfires. You two obviously know nothing about women. Get him, will ya? He's having delusions. Hey, what do you mean by that? I may not be an expert on women, but ever since I was a little shaver, I've known you never bet against the woman you love. What's wrong with you anyway? Does it have something to do with your mother? That's what the head shrinkers say. Anybody can see it. You can't live without Dot, yet you're pushing her out the door. With both hands. Go ahead. Kick a man when he's down, why don't you? Well, well, well. What do we have here? 
The He-Man Assembly. Big, tough men talking a bunch of nonsense, I presume. About how many bullets he can take before you need a bandage. All right, clear out of here. Take that whiskey with you. Grady's going to eat his dinner and get some rest. Hi, Dot. Night, Chief. Night, Chief. Hold on a minute, boys. He looks pale as a ghost. You'd better leave that bottle after all. I don't feel so good. No way, you're burning up. Let me get some ice for your forehead. Don't leave me, Dot. Take it easy, okay? I'm not going anywhere. Why, this roast beef will fix you right up. Got a minute? No, Mr. Hickey, I don't have time to show you how to use the card catalog in the library. Why didn't you take the job at Vogue? Because it meant moving back to New York, and I hate the sound of snow crunching under my feet. Now scram. Listen, I didn't come over here to pry. What I wanted to say was I didn't mean what I said. (laughs) That's nice. When I found from Pennsylvania, what I said wasn't what I was thinking. Oh, so you weren't thinking you'd get me to do your work for you while you passed yourself off as a crusader for labor rights. Sure sounds like your tongue matched your thoughts. Hey, I acted like a bum on the phone. A lousy bum. Go ahead. Keep talking. I was too worried about being quick on the phone. In the end, I was ham-handed and rude. And? I'm sorry. I should have thanked you for helping me get there. I should have taken the time to tell you about my big plan. What big plan? I wanted us to collaborate on a series of articles. I don't have the expertise to talk about the fashion side of things, but you do. Mm, Go on, I'm listening. In Reading, I kept thinking, most striped coverage either gives you the union angle or the fashion angle, but you never see them covered together. Yeah, that's true. Newspapers stick fashion in the back, in the women's section. With the sob sister and society columns. This is front page news. Sure is. The public should know about piecework and how their garments are made. How clothing goes from bolts of cloth or wool to the shop floor. That's the ticket. Fashion is more than decoration. There's another thing. Just one? You've got a hundred things to go over to get the story rolling. Hey, I don't make a lot of money. My clothes are shabby. I'm just a weather-beaten news hawk. But I'm crazy about you. I'll treat you like a queen, and I'll find any way I can to boost your career. Oh, Leo, you dope. Kiss me. And let's get started on the series. Any juicy letters today? The usual complaints about jealous, picky, or cheating husbands. Doesn't that ever get you down? Make you lose hope about love? It might, if I had any to lose. Oh, honey, I hope you're joking. Just because you two are aglow with love's dewy promise doesn't mean the rest of us are. 
One of the letters in the mailbag was different from the others, though. Ah, that's changing the subject, not too subtle. This letter here is signed Miss Maimed. What? What? Now isn't that more interesting than the birds and the bees? What did she say? She went to Dr. Lockhart for Myrna Loy's nose. Bad results? Hence the maimed nom de plume. Oh, that poor girl. What are you going to write? I'm not going to write anything yet. In her letter, she said she worked the night shift, the only job she could find. She wrote on stationery from the Bonnie Briar Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard. I'm going to go pay her a visit. I mean, this gal. Maud. Bijou's girls, too. It's tip of the iceberg stuff. I bet you on to something. Cosmetic surgery racket. <laughs> what a story. Somebody give me a hand, will you? Is that Dutch? What's left of him? Oh my god, what happened? Look, here, let's take him into Grady's office and put him on the sofa. God, this place is turning into a casualty ward. All we need is Maud to rush in here with her pistol. No, she's still in the clink. You better put something down. Grady will be sore if there's blood on his sofa. Here, grab my coat. You can put that under him. What happened? Was he hit by a bus or something? Oh, does a bus have bare knuckles? Who beat him up? Dutch looks like his head was in a sausage grinder. Uh, Peaches, is that you? Gee, you look pretty today. <laughs> At least his brain is unaffected. What happened, Leo? We stopped for a quick bite in Schwab's. He got into a fight. Who was the other guy? Shipwreck Kelly. Uh, you're making that up. Leah wouldn't lie. Shipwreck was in there with a girl. So? Maybe she was a publicist. His hands were all over her. He kissed her neck, squeezed her thigh. The swine. Dutch went over, called Shipwreck a dirty so-and-so. Told him he couldn't do that to Peaches. Oh, Dutch, you fool. You got your face rearranged for me? Uh... Shipwreck threw a punch, knocked him down. Dutch kept getting up. Uh, champion always gets off the floor. I wanted to take him to the hospital, but he insisted on coming here. Hickey, why don't you go down to Mary's and bring back some ice, will you? I'm going to clean him up. Peaches, I'm sorry. So sorry I called you a floozy. You're a lady. You're too good for me. Oh, Dutch, you idiot. Don't get yourself in a lather. What were you thinking? Stepping toe-to-toe -to -toe with a big goon like Shipwreck Kelly. What am I going to do with you? Marry me, baby. Make me the luckiest man on earth. Shh, quiet now. Let me wipe the blood off your face and count your teeth. We have plenty of time to talk about everything later. All right, enough gold bricking. They're springing you tomorrow. Should I pick you up and take you home? It's not a home. It's a dingy apartment with an empty refrigerator. I can do something about the fridge anyway. What's the point? You need to get back in the office. Dutch was on your sofa today, beaten to a pulp. That's nice. Well, I know how to cheer you up. 
You can tear apart the story I'm working on and tell me it's no good. Whatever you say, Dot. Well, the way I see it, we've got a big story with that butcher out in Beverly Hills. He's a quack who does cosmetic surgery. Maud Warren's duck? Yeah, glad to see the wheels are turning. Yes, Grady. Maud was one of Dr. Lockhart's patients. It's old news. Papers were full of bad nose jobs in 1923. Hey, old is news again. Hemlines rise and fall. Maybe it's the same with this cosmetic surgery racket. I was still wet behind the ears then. One of my first bylines. Vaudeville star Fanny Bryce staged a publicity gamut. Had her nose fixed. Did she now? Tell me about it, Grady. Uh, she gave interviews to anybody with a pencil. Fanny checked into a hotel room, Atlantic City. Had a doctor operate on her nose. Pictures in all the papers. In a hotel room? Not a hospital? She couldn't have pulled a stunt like that in a hospital. Dorothy Parker quipped that Fanny cut off her nose to spite her race. But Fanny's operation was different. What do you mean? She was happy with the results. The story's different now. Thirteen years ago, only celebrities or an heiress could afford to bob their nose. Now the average gal can have the procedure done. This doctor advertises in newspapers and on the street with sandwich boards. If you say so, Doc, get the story. I won't interfere. Not this time. Well, I hope you're telling me the truth, Grady. You better keep your word this time. I, I've investigated, and this kind of medicine isn't regulated. Any doctor, regardless of training, can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon and monkey around with people's faces. Oh, yeah? This doc is carving up women's faces like jack-o'-lanterns. You know, in addition to Maud, I've gotten letters from women who were disfigured by Dr. Lockhart. I went out to see one woman who wrote to me. She's the night clerk at a hotel, and I noticed something. Everywhere you go, all over the city, the night shift is staffed by women with bad noses. They're smashed or swollen or bridgeless. I guess that's the only job they can get. Late at night. Some of Bijou's girls left Lockhart's office worse off than when they entered, too. So maybe your little friend over at Bijou's will fall victim to that quack out in Beverly Hills. It's not what you think. Yeah, let's not get into this again. I might be tempted to pour the soup over your head. I didn't go to Bijou's for a good time. No, Catholic guilt? Did you get a confession afterwards or something? Woman, will you be quiet for a minute? I wasn't there for a cute trick. I went there to see Elsie Blake. Who's Elsie Blake? The sister of Tommy Blake, the 12-year-old boy who collected bottles. The silver nitrate, remember? I remember. Well, he drank the poison. I tracked his sister down to Bijou's, gave her money to cover Tommy's funeral. Jim, why didn't you say anything? Instead of letting me shoot my mouth off, you let me jaw at you like a brat. Dot, on the level. God, you just have to be right, don't you? Mr. Highbrow doesn't hang out in a whorehouse. That's not what I meant. Well, Mr. Benevolent Society, you can get one of your charity cases to take you home tomorrow. Because I won't be here. And, oh yeah, I was going to save this for later. But I got a job offer from Mr. William Randolph Hearst. He's the one who's been sending me flowers. 
I'm going over to the examiner at double my salary. You're not my husband. Now you're not my boss either. What the hell did I say? Don't, don't, don't leave. Get back here. Dr. Lockhart's office, will you hold, please? The doctor will see you now. Go right in. Thank you. Good day. Won't you sit down? What brings you here today? I didn't expect a lady, doctor. Hang us something. I think my sex gives me greater insight. I'm more sensitive to my patient's needs. How may I help you? Well, Doc, it's like this. I came out here to make good in the pictures, and I think my nose is the only thing standing between me and a studio contract. What do you think? Hmm, I see what you mean. I do think there's room for improvement. You were born with many fine attributes, but science can always improve on Mother Nature. My best friend, Gladys, she showed me a ad in the paper. The one that says you can give the Myrna Loinos to any gal. Does that include me? In the right hands, anything is possible. You done this before? All kinds of noses? My hands have a light touch. I can mold skin and cartilage as well as Michelangelo did marble. Is he another doc in Beverly Hills? Not quite. Here's a name you will know. George Brent. Oh, I love George Brent. He's one of my favorite stars. Well, I fixed his nose. Without my deft hands, he would be a farmer in Ireland instead of a leading man in Hollywood. No kidding! You gave George Brent a new nose? He's a different person. You would not have recognized him from the way he looked before. Well, say, that sounds good to me. When can you work your magic on me? How about tomorrow? I have an opening at 11. I'll take it. May I come in? That depends. What brings you around? I'm sorry, Bijou. And I should have stopped by earlier to say it. Your girls are good enough for anybody. Grady included. I can't explain why. I reacted that way. I just went red hot. Might want to pay close attention to that feeling, Dot. It's telling you something. Is that all you dropped by for? I thought we were friends before. I'd like to be again. Every time we make friends with a civilian, things go haywire. I'm a civilian? Well, what does that make you? I'm on the front line, in the trenches. Well, you always beat me at poker. You take my money. I guess you're good for something. Come on in. You mind if I stay for a few hours? What gives? I don't want to be found. I don't have time to kill. Why not? We're friends, ain't we? Right. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in the hospital. Is Dot here? She hasn't been back since she went to visit you. She dropped by with soup. Then she quit. Said she's taken an offer from Hearst to write for the examiner. What do you mean she quit? Why would she go over to Hearst? She's called him every name in the book. I have no idea why. He's the one who's been sending bouquets, the vulture. 
One minute, I nearly had her in my lap. She was talking about taking me home from the hospital and filling up my fridge. For the big kiss-off, you mean? Kiss-off? I'd like to see you run that by an editor at Vogue. <laughs> Don't make me regret staying here. You have a talent for pushing women out the door, Grady. Where can we reach her? She's not home. I've been by her place. I climbed up the fire escape, nearly tore my stitches out. What do you think she's up to? Isn't it obvious? She's out to get that Lockhart behind bars. How can she do that? She probably cooked up a scheme to get in there and look for evidence. Aren't you rushing to conclusions? I know how Dot is when she gets a whiff of a story. She has ink in her veins. You should have seen her after she found out about coke peddlers on the wharf in San Francisco. She was like a dog with a bone. Well, most likely, Lockhart's office is still open. We could call and find out if Dot has an appointment. Yeah, but a receptionist won't tell you that. No, but she might tell me. Who will you ask for, though? Dot wouldn't use her real name. You have a point there. Hello. My wife has an appointment with the doctor. Can you confirm the date and time? I want to make sure I withdraw enough cash from the bank. $300, isn't it? That's the doctor's fee, correct? $300? I'll bring it by myself. Yes. Mrs. Doc Grady, tomorrow at 11? Thank you. You've been most helpful, miss. <laughs> Smart play. That receptionist would give up her own grandmother for a hundred bucks, I bet. Okay, now what? Well, we have to watch Lockhart's office. Dot won't keep that appointment. She'll get in there before 11 tomorrow to find evidence. I promised Dot I wouldn't interfere. But you never said anything about us. I always knew you had a devious mind, Faye. That's an attribute of a fine reporter. Well, what about me? Your family has oil money, Peaches. You come from a generation of the underhanded. <laughs> Where does that sawbones operate? What are you doing here? Hiya, Doc. Oh, say, I got turned around in the hall. Sorry about that. <laughs> Cut the act. Tell me who you really are. Who sent you? I don't know what you mean, Doc. I was just curious and got to thinking, I should see some photographs of your patients. You know, like before and after. Keep it up at your own peril. I know what you're up to, Miss Reardon. How'd you guess? You think you're the first reporter to make an appointment? I spotted them right away, too, and they didn't have their picture in the paper next to their byline. I enjoy reading Ask Dot. Oh, yeah? Your column is a daily reminder that I'm in the right business. How so? The people who write to you are simpletons blighted by their own petty vanities. You're quite the phrase maker, aren't you, Doc? <laughs> the same feather-brained women who let men walk all over them and then write to you are the same as the patients who come into my office. The legions of dullards who cross my door only care about looking like a film star. They ignore any balance of facial features, symmetry, proportion, or even alignment. They don't care about my skill or my judgment. They don't listen to what kind of nose I think they should have. These silly women want to be in pictures or on the cover of magazines. They're nothing but a bunch of hussies who shake their hips around town. 
I gave up trying to talk sense into them. Now I accommodate them and bank on it. What do the sponge brain celebrity sick women want? They want Myrna Loy's nose. Her perfect little nose. Myrna Loy is the biggest star at the box office, one hit after another. Next year, maybe it's someone else. Maybe Alice Faye. And I'll just print new ads and put a new face mask on the sandwich board girls. Did you crib that speech from a Peter Lorre flicker? <laughs> just as I thought. Another picture mad buffoon. Well, Doctor, it's been entertaining. You have a fine spiel as far as megalomaniacs go, but I must be running along now. I don't think so. They never tell you in journalism class how many times you'll be on the wrong side of a gun. Let's move into the next room. I have a sudden opening in my surgery schedule. One Myrna Loy, coming up. Quiet, will you? I've never picked a lock before. What do you want from me? Let's not draw too much attention to ourselves. Just pretend you're sneaking in late after a cotillion or whatever. Or past a landlady when the rent's overdue. Ouch. What if it's just Lockhart in there? Dot would take a flashlight. She wouldn't turn the lights on. Something doesn't feel right. Well, I guess we can always say we're in the wrong office. Come on, in the back. Empty. <gasps> Put down that scalpel. Take that ether cone off Dot's mouth and step away. More nosy reporters? I don't think so. I could use another pair of hands. Get over here or I'll slice her nose off and throw it out the window. I don't think so, you maniac. <laughs> My eyes! My eyes! You get her snipe! Grab the gun. There she is. See, I told you she'd come back. You girls were busy last night. I can see the headline now. Beverly Hills Butcher Shot Dead. Did you come for your things, Dot? My things? What kind of woman do you think I am? The best newspaper man in a pair of heels. Damn right. And don't you forget it. I must get started on that story. And don't you dare interrupt me with your flip remarks or worry me with that grease pencil of yours, Grady. I'm on a deadline. You mean you're not going to give the story to Hearst? I'd rather guzzle Leo's hot sauce. Good thing I swiped the bottle from Leo's coat pocket on the way to Beverly Hills last night. Knocked her eyes out. Bay and Peaches are my heroes. I'm going to insist the mayor give them both a medal of commendation. Now let me get started on this. You've got time before we go to press. Brady, don't bother me, will you? I've got a million things to do. Yes, Dot. I've got to write the article, and then we have to go to police headquarters so you can drop the charges on Maud. Drop the charges? It's the right thing to do, and you know it. Then we'll have time to get to City Hall before they close. We're going to City Hall. Haven't you been listening to me? We're going to tear up that divorce decree. Maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks. What have I told you about cliches? Strike it out. 
You're an insufferable jackass, Grady. But you're all mine. Kiss me, Dot. The story, Jim! The story! <laughs> as long as there's the two of us We've got the world and all its charms And when the world is through with us We've got each other's arms Can't win the little, lose a little Myrna Loy's Nose is a Sauce Mouth Dame production, written and directed by Megan McGurk, starring Clara Higgins as Dot Reardon, Olympia Kiriakou as Faye Bishop, M. Sean as Peaches Carmichael, Savannah Monroe as Bijou Silk, Renee Smith as Dr. Lockhart, Patrick McGurk as Jim Grady, Peter Bryant as Leo Hickey, Shane McCormick as Dutch Brennan, art design by Mott Collins, Sound editing and special effects by Tom O'Mahony. Thanks for listening.